0: We brought them to our land,
1: an endless night, ember hot and icy cold, the rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Get used to the mantra, all gas, no break
0: what's going on everybody welcome back to the turn on the jets podcast where myself will parkinson at will pa 11 and my co-host matt genesis talk everything new york jets football this week with Matt out, we've got a uh, exciting podcast. You know, no, not no need to worry uh, with Matt out; he'll be back next week. But we've got a, a few things. We got Jake Asman coming up um, at the bottom of the show you know, of the Jake Asman show. I catch him weekdays nine to eleven on uh, SportsMap Radio. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the Jets quarter century team that I'm putting together, 1996 through present. Um, this week we got running backs, so a lot of exciting stuff there. We'll also get in a little bit about. Um, some of the Sam Donald and, and Deshaun Watson rumors and uh, anything else going on you know in Jets world so to start uh, we'll get into you know some exciting Jets news that actually came out today. Leon Washington um, who made my Jets quarter century team as a fan favorite it was named a uh, special assistant and will be you know joining the coaching staff this upcoming season. Washington was a exceptional Jet from you know might have been small in size but guy to heart of a lion extremely fast great on special teams and uh, was somebody that most Jets fans have a found uh, you know profound appreciation for. So was happy to see that news. It goes right in line with the W after W of the Robert Sala era. already. Um, every it seems like every single guy that's being brought on the staff or a move being made by the organization so far has been well received by me, most Jets fans. Um, you know, most analysts in the business as well. So you know, I'm very excited to see that. Um, you know, welcome back, Leon somebody that was a pro bowler a kickoff return guy and, and scat back third down back for the Jets. So very exciting there. Second, we get to Sam Darnold. So Sam Darnold's in the news, me and Jake, will talk about this uh, later in the podcast, but uh, you know, Adam Schechter has been reporting uh, a couple different things initially when the, you know, Robert Sala was hired. It was Sam's that is most likely going to be the quarterback in 2021. Now a lot of the rumors around him being traded. Um, there's, Thought could be a late one, potentially a team like New Orleans um, at the bottom of the first round or teams like Washington, Indianapolis, San Francisco um, with second round, maybe a two and a five, two and a four, a package like that. So be on the lookout for that. That's something that probably will happen if it does happen, I would assume in the next couple weeks, because Carson Wentz is looking to get moved. Um, the Eagles are looking to move him shortly here. Chicago and India, the two favorites. My money is going to be on Chicago, um, I, I believe with them elevating his old quarterback coach to offensive coordinator. Um, and then just the Bears, you know, wanting to have that big name and take another shot at a guy like Carson Wentz. Um, I personally think Sam should have a lot more value than Carson Wentz. I, I know Carson Wentz has played at a higher level, but Sam's four years younger. Although Sam has been injured at times, a lot of these are very non-serious injuries. Wentz has had multiple concussions, back injuries, ACLs, um, and mentally could not handle having a competent backup, which is a huge problem um, for playing in a place like Chicago. He was obviously, he wasn't able to handle it in Philly, and to be able to deal with that now in Chicago would be uh, would be interesting to say the least. So be on the lookout for, <clears throat> be on the lookout for that. Um, and then, you know, Sam should be the next QB domino to fall with Stafford going to the Rams, obviously. Once being moved, and then Sam would be the inevitable next domino as, you know, Dak Prescott won't be dealt with until free agency. And if he's not a cowboy, I think everyone would be pretty shocked. Lastly, um, from a quarterback perspective, Deshaun Watson. So we will get into this again um, with Jake, but another report, you know, John McClain, who's the Texans kind of mouthpiece from inside the organization, been there 30, 40 years, basically saying the Texans have no intention to trade Deshaun, which, we all kind of figure they're going to play hardball. I think Casario specifically is going to do everything he can along with David Cully to make sure Deshaun's not moved. But with that being said, I can see Easter being Cal McNair. You know, they are clearing house. They let go of their team president, of their entire, he's been with the team their entire existence, the last 21 years. Um, so they're clearing house with everything, um, you know, medical staff being let go. All these people that Watson uh, were a fan of Watson and Watson was a fan of are being let go left and right. The organization's cleaning house. I, I can see Watson being moved. And I think the Texans are going to be forced into it at some point. They can play hardball now, but once these teams start to come in with better and better offers, there's more and more pressure around the draft. What are they going to do? Are they going to hang on to Sean? What are they going to do? Do they want to try to get, trade up and draft a quarterback? Things like that. So there's a lot going on there. You'll hear me and Jake, like I said, talk about this later, but if I'm the Texans, the Jets are the most valuable option. John McClain said it multiple times. If you're going to trade an asset like Deshaun, which has probably never been traded in the history of the NFL, at the quarterback position, elite top five level guy, 25 years old, reasonable cap number, good locker room guy, face of the organization, it doesn't happen. Um, you guys have heard me talk about this before. You know, you think of trades like Jake Cutler, things like that, but they, he was never – He was a very promising, talented young quarterback, but nothing to the level with Deshaun Spinn. He's the most accurate passer through four or five seasons in NFL history. So that'll be something to watch out for. The Jets, again, have the most valuable package between picks, cap space, and the market they provide. But, you know, bottom line, if you're the Texans, the Jets make the most sense. And whether it happens or not, all the Jets need is Deshaun to be able to say, I would sign off. It doesn't matter about a list where – the Jets rank one, two, five. As long as he's willing to waive that no trade, the Jets are a player in this thing. And and I just would continue to keep a lookout for that. So, um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll keep you guys updated as much as we can. Um, any information that comes out, we'll be able to, you know, kind of provide and continue to follow, you know, some of the other turn on the Jets feed as well, whether it's Badlands, draft season, things like that. You know, we'll have more stories on Deshaun, what happens with Sam and then, um, you know, any additions to the coaching staff, stuff like that. Lastly, um, before we get into the interview with Jake, which is an exciting one, um, you know, we, we've been doing this. I've been kind of previewing this, you know, on the website, and the, and the article actually went up on Wednesday night. But we're going to be going position by position. Best Jets um, over the last 25, you know, quarter century, last 25 years. So um, running backs, we decided to start with with an absolute all-star, one of the best Jets and best running backs in NFL history, Curtis Martin. Uh, I think it was a pretty obvious choice to have him as our starting running back here. Um, you know, over 10,000 yards in a Jets uniform, tw- you know, 2,500 receiving yards, 63 touchdowns, and then you know, multiple. Um, you know, played in seven playoff games with the Jets. Awesome, awesome guy, fantastic football player. Made three Pro Bowls. Uh, was a first-team All-Pro in 2004, his last full season. Um, six, I think he had 1,600 rushing yards, sixteen uh, 1,697 in 2004. Just incredible for that time, a 31, 32-year-old back to be able to, you know, play that effectively. Guy, you know, was elegance on the field. The guy, I I a great guy off the field. But Curtis Martin's one of the best Jets of all time. Uh, you can make a strong argument he is the best Jet of all time. I know people both throw around Revis, Joe Namath, Mawai, Gaston, people like that, and we'll get into some of those guys, um, especially Revis, <laughs> as we go on, um, you know, through the secondary. But from running back perspective, Curtis Martin was fantastic. Um, Ability to make people miss, get tough yards, catch the ball out of the backfield, block and protection. So overall, great football player and and one of the best Jets of all time. So uh, very, very easy decision (laughs) to have him as my starting running back here. Uh, You know, when we get into it, there's been a lot of really talented Jets running backs over the last 25 years. I think the doom and gloom of the 2010s has kind of jaded people's minds, um, you know, between the 98 team, the early 2000s under Herm Edwards were really, really very, you know, competent and really good teams. Uh, a lot of them made playoff runs. You know, I think of the year beating Peyton Manning, forty-one nothing in a playoff game. That doesn't happen often. So, you know that, and then obviously two thousand nine, two thousand ten, even the two thousand eight. Uh, you know, team. You know, year of Brett Favre torn bicep and a couple of terrible interceptions away from going to the playoffs, and that gets into my next guy. Thomas Jones was well, went went awesome. Jet. He had one of the most peculiar. Stat lines, um, you know, I can remember one touchdown in his first year with the Jets, and then the next year, th- 13 touchdowns, and then a franchise record 14 rushing touchdowns um, the year after. So it was first team All Pro, you know, for the AFC. Made a Pro Bowl in 2008. Ended up, you know, 4,000 yards in three seasons with the Jets. 28 touchdowns was, you know, he's known for shredded up arms and his stiff arms and things like that. But a real workhorse great pick, you know, a great pickle by Mike Tannenbaum swapping second round picks and acquiring Thomas Jones. Ended up leaving the team before the 2010 season and then being replaced by LeDinian Tomlinson, who will make the list as one of the better veteran pickups the Jets have had of the last 25 years. But Thomas Jones was awesome. Can't, uh, you know, can't say enough good things about the guy who's played an all pro level with the Jets, was on that magical run. The team went nine and seven, snuck in the playoffs and made a, you know, Cinderella run to the AFC title game and up you know scoring 17 points in the first half and you thought that team might be able to go to the super bowl but great you know it was probably the best trade of the, one of the best trades of the 20 last 25 years and specifically at the running back position was certainly the best trade the jets have uh, jets have made like i mentioned Ladanian Thomas Thompson probably the best veteran pickup you know LT obviously you know, you can read this more in the article on the website but great jet um you know 2010 was a special year i think in uh, anyone under the age of probably thirty is probably your best Jets memory. Um, you know, LT only you know twelve hundred yards in two years. And the first year though, you know, almost nine hundred fifty yards rushing was really great out of the backfield. Fifty plus catches was really good. That postseason run, uh, three touchdowns. Um, you know, two hundred almost two hundred total yards. And you know, splitting time with him and Sean Green, who you know I have down here is the Jets' best homegrown talent. That that duo was special. LT brought something you really wanted to see him play in a Super Bowl him and Jason Taylor coming in amongst others, you know, Kramari guys like that. And you thought this was LT's year and, um, you know, they're one third down stop away or um, making that fourth down conversion against the Steelers away from going to the Super Bowl. So he's, uh, he made the list. And then, you know, a couple of other, a couple other ones on here that are you know, pretty excited. I thought was, you know, fun as a Jets fan to be able to, you know, kind of reminisce back on, you know, best that never was. Danny Woodhead was somebody that in typical Jets fashion, um, kind of had that Wayne Corbett feel to him. Um, coming in 2009 undrafted rookie one of the best D- two players of all time and you know then to make the team in 2010 hard knocks was a superstar it made the team because Antonio Holmes was suspended and then the Jets cut him after one game goes on to the Patriots and Chargers and eventually the Ravens and you know 4,000 almost 4,000 total yards on both the Ravens and, and Chargers and I mean both the Patriots and Chargers and was always killing the Jets so best than ever was I think if somebody that Jets fans loved and would have grown incredibly fond of. And it's unfortunate that he didn't end up on the team in 2010 because I think he could have added something and going forward, And would maybe been a more positive light in the 2010s. Last couple of guys here that under the radar fan favorite, you know, best Jet, um, Leon Washington, we mentioned before, just you know, coming back to the coaching staff, but it was an exceptional returner and was also a really good, you know, back out of the backfield. He was great in pass pro, somebody that was. A special, you know, runner after the catch. Somebody you can get out in the backfield on screen passes. You know, flare routes out to, out of the backfield third down. Quarterback's best friend. You know, helped Favre, Pennington, Sanchez, all those guys. Almost, you know, two thousand rushing yards. Another thousand uh, through the air in his four seasons with the Jets. And you know, had a really good playoff game. And even though they got uh, they lost pretty handily to the, at the at Patriots and, uh, in two thousand six, two thousand seven. So. Um, another guy made a pro bowl, um, was really, was just a fun jet well, somebody that fans will look back on with fond memories. And then we're doing a special segment. I'm a big Jersey person as you guys will come to find out. I've got, you know, 50, a hundred jerseys of all different sports, but I've got a lot of very interesting and random jets jerseys. And Lamont Jordan is somebody that I have a few jerseys of a signed Jersey. He was a kid that a guy that has a six, seven year old kid going to training camp every year. I don't know why I found his you know he's like a swagger about him had the visor running back face mask had really cool <laughs> really cool equipment so kind of a and then instantly was like oh this guy's awesome it Was a big bruising back and was kind of groomed to be Curtis Martin's backup and eventually take over for him that didn't end up being the case somebody that spent four seasons with the Jets second round pick out of Maryland and only had about 1300 yards 10 touchdowns in four years but he's somebody that uh, won't go down as the best jet of all time but was a, was a fun back on some good teams and uh ended up, you know, taking his talents to Oakland amongst other places and was a thousand-yard rusher one season in Oakland, so didn't have a bad career, but most random Jess jersey at the running back position was certainly Lamont Jordan. Obviously, you got the Curtis Martin jersey and everything like that, the LT one. But for you know, most random jersey, Lamont Jordan takes the cake there. So really fun read. We're gonna be doing that every week. Next week, we're gonna be going in safeties. There'll be a uh, interesting conversation around Jamal Adams. Um, you guys like Kerry Rhodes, Victor Green, Ronnie Law will miss out on this one just because of the time frame. It was right before that 94, 95 season. So he's not going to be on the list, but um, you know, it'll be a fun time guys like Eric Coleman, Marcus May there. So stay tuned for that. That'll be dropping every Wednesday. And then we'll be recapping on the pod along with free agency and draft news um, and anything else that happens um, every week once and Matt will be back next week. But, um, we're going to let you get in the interview here with Jake Asman. Um, it's, a, it's a fun one. We talk everything. He sits outside. He sits, you know, his radio show in Houston, so he's got a lot of info on Sean Watson. We talk a little bit about Sam and then some of uh, his favorite Jets running backs. And uh, I hope you'll enjoy it. Catch you guys next week. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. I'm here with Jake Asman, of the, uh, the host of the Jake Asman Show on SportsMap Radio. You can catch Jake 9 a.m. Eastern time on SportsMap Radio weekdays and at Jake Asman on Twitter. Jake, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Well, thanks for having me on the podcast. Always a pleasure to join fellow Jet fans to talk about the, the you know, talk about our favorite football team.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, season ending now. Um, now we get into the Jets Super Bowl. Um, after <laughs> because witnessing the Super Bowl, you got the Jets offseason. Um, obviously, a hot topic right now is the quarterback position, what's going to happen in 2021. Um, I guess we can start with Sam. He's the kind of the headlines this week. What do you think happens with Sam in 2021, and uh, what do you think the value is if he is moved?
1: Yeah, so I did a segment today on this, just with some of the reports that came out. Uh, you know, just talking about some of the teams that are interested in Darnold. You know, I'm a huge Sam Darnold fan. He was the guy I wanted all along. When they traded up to three, I didn't think he'd be there. So the fact that they got him, and you know, he's been victimized by Todd Bowles and Jeremy Bates, and then Adam Gase, it, it kills me. But I just don't see the path. For him on the team in 2021, I think he could have success elsewhere, but I think for the jets, the best thing they are, they have to do. And I think what Joe Douglas will do is ultimately they're going to trade this guy. If they can get a late one, I think you take that deal in a second, you know, even if they get a, a two and a five, let's say for Darnold, which was the, basically the Josh Rosen package from a couple of years ago. Well, I think you got to do it. I think Sam needs a fresh start. And I think if you're the jets, you know, you have to weigh the second overall pick knowing that Sam Darnold may or may not be good. You still don't know, and you're not going to be bad enough to be picking that high a year from now, right? As bad as the Jets were this year, they very easily could have won a couple more games. Like, it's very hard to go 2-14. and 14. They're going to be, by accident, much better with Salah. So they're not going to be in this position to be taking a quarterback this high in a loaded quarterback class. I know Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, they're not Trevor Lawrence, but any other year, they might be QB1. So I think ultimately if the Jets don't trade for Deshaun Watson, which I'm sure we'll get to, I, I think they have to draft the quarterback. And if they can flip Sam for an asset, you know, you're really starting your football team with such a nice foundation to build upon with a QB on a rookie deal going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm a, I am was a huge Sam guy. I still am a huge Sam guy. Um, but I, I also understand the perspective of QB on a rookie deal. It's a loaded class. And then if you're able to acquire picks to either go after Deshaun Watson or you know, end up with basically five, you know, two second rounders, and then you have the you know, there's a lot of picks going in there, you the two ones, and then next year as well. So I kind of understand that from that perspective. Who are some teams you think Jets fans should be watching out for? I mean, we've heard Steelers, Red, or Washington Football Team. Sorry, I can't get over the fact that I don't have a name, but Washington mm-hmm. Football Team, Saints, Colts. Um, I know a lot of stuff will fall in place once once is moved, but. Who do you kind of see Sam ending up with if uh, he goes for that late one or early two?
1: Yeah, I think you hit on some of the teams, right? I think uh, a good thing for the Jets was that Stafford went to a team that he wasn't expected to go to. So that makes Sam, I-, I believe, more valuable, right? Had Stafford gone to the Colts, that eliminates a team. Or had he gone to the football team, that eliminates a team, right? So I think Sam's in play for Washington. I think he's in play for Indy. If Chicago doesn't end up with Wentz, I think they're in play there. I mean, where Wentz goes will impact where Sam Potentially could go don't rule out New Orleans as well. I know Sean Payton has said they like Jameis Winston, but he's a free agent. Maybe someone would overpay. I know Sean Payton likes Taysom Hill, but I think he would realize he needs a pocket quarterback or someone that could really stretch a defense downfield. And I think Sam, obviously, you know, in the right system could do that. Saints have the 28th overall pick. We hear Schefter talking about a late one for Sam. Well, that's pretty much as late as you can get out of the teams that were deep into the playoffs. Right. So I think New Orleans could make some sense. Um, maybe Pittsburgh, if they want to have the heir apparent to Big Ben, or if something goes wrong with Big Ben's contract, you know, negotiation that they have going on. So those are some of the teams. It it just kills me that we're at this point, you know, but I I think if they could get a late one, that's, that's a lot better than I thought they were going to get in the first place. So, you know, all things considered, I trust Joe Douglas to make the right decision and I allow him and, and Salah and the coaching staff in the front office To kind of evaluate the quarterback market, and and they think the best course of action is trading Sam. I think it'll be to one of those teams.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the biggest thing for the Saints and teams like that is like they need a young, controllable asset. And for the Jets, obviously, the rookie deal is huge importance because the roster is so barren of talent. But a team like the Saints or Steelers, you know, there's obviously the stuff with Big Ben going on where he might be cut now or retired just because the cap hit. But if these guys. These teams need a young quarterback that they, if you know, if they hit on Sam, all of a sudden now they have two years at thirty million dollars guarantee, which is very cheap for the quarterback position. When you see what guys, you know, Big Ben's cap hits forty-one million dollars—that's astronomical for a guy who, yeah, wasn't you're,
1: you're right. Well, and just the thing with Sam is, you know, if the Jets were the Bears or Washington or one of these teams that was kind of middle of the pack, even the Patriots, right, and they had Sam Darnold on their team you would stick with them for a fourth year and give them a chance to work it out with a new coaching staff, better players, better offensive linemen, all that. But it goes back to what we said at the top of this. They're picking second overall. You're not going to be in this spot a year from now. The quarterback class a year from now might not even be as good as what Zach Wilson and Justin Fields are. Like, I understand they're not Trevor Lawrence, but once again, any other year fields and Wilson might be the first guy off the board. So you have to remember that if you're a Jet fan out there, that it's not maybe a knock on Darnold, but if Darnold's tied with how they feel about Wilson and Fields, then it just makes sense to reset the quarterback contract and, and rebuild with a guy that, you know, Joe Douglas, you know, he didn't draft Sam, but this would be someone that he'd, he'd put his stamp of approval on. He could lose his job if he sticks with Darnold and it doesn't work out. His, his, he has more job security drafting one of these guys that buys him more time.
0: We took it all. Learn more at marines.com. So in terms of the rookie, you know, the rookie quarterbacks, you've touched on Wilson Fields. Trey Lance is a bit of a wild card. If they draft Mac Jones, I'm giving up my season tickets. I'm um, <laughs> just not, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that experiment. But um, if you're, you know, you're picking a number two, you know gun to your head who you take in, um who do you like as the Jets starting quarterback in 2021 as if it's a rookie
1: yeah I've been convinced you know so many different ways on this when I watched fields against Clemson I was like that's the guy like let's go this is amazing and then you know you you, you see him in the national title game and he was fine it wasn't bad in that game by any means but then you're just like all right well you know let's let's see what Zach Wilson could do you know let's watch some highlights of Wilson and you know the Mormon Mahomes hype that we have for him is kind of funny but, you know, I honestly, I don't have a hot take on it. You know, I, I know I'm a talk show host. I'm supposed to have a big opinion like, oh, they got to do this. I, I trust Joe Douglas. I thought he did a great job with his first draft. I think he has a good understanding of how to build a football team. And if he likes Wilson better than Fields, I'm not going to question it. Just get the best guy, right? I mean, I, I thought Sam was going to be the best guy, and I ended up to be, I ended up being wrong, right? So I, I just want to see them draft whoever they think is the best player. If it's Fields or Wilson, I'll support it. If they take Trey Lance, I wouldn't be thrilled, but I don't know anything about the guy. Like, there's a reason why he's highly thought of. You know, I, I I just think get the guy that they think will be the best player. And I think if they're making a pick right now, that player would be Wilson. It seems like his skill set fits better with the type of offense they're going to run with Lafleur. But that could change between now and when they get a chance to actually talk to some of these guys and do their do their homework, talk to their coaches, you know, overthink all these scouting reports. This thing could change a lot between now and when the draft is.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I think for me, um, Wilson fits the offense of profile better. Um, what Fields probably is a little bit higher floor, I think just from some of the experience of playing much tougher competition, although he looked awful against Northwestern. He, they were missing Chris Olave. He had, you know, Indiana wasn't great, but then again, the Clemson game was special. He looked like, you know, Russell Wilson with some of the deep balls and things like that. So he's kind of all over the place. In that game. Yeah, too. that was toughness. I mean, he's got, he got crushed and then, like you said against Bama, I thought there were some good, there were some bad. They were clearly the inferior opponent. Um, from you know Wilson's perspective, I think he provides a lot of the same stuff Sam does, just from like moving around the pocket, these flashy, you know, Sports Center highlight plays, and then he's makes some of the decision making. It's questionable, but at the end of the day, in this offense that Lafleur bringing, he seems like a guy that's going to make any quarterback dramatically better than they w- what they would be in an Adam Case level offense. So
1: it can't I'm be there.
0: Gonna- I mean, if if you can't, if you can't be successful in that offense, it's, it's really kind of, it's tough. I mean, Jimmy G looked very good. Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan won an MVP. So um, onto the, onto the flashy topic as well. Deshaun Watson, what do you, if you had to put percentage wise, what you think happens or, you know, what you'd be willing to give up, you know, what are your thoughts on uh, Deshaun
1: as a whole? So I'm in Houston, so I have a very unique perspective on this because I, I, pretty much have seen every play Deshaun has made since his, you know, first full season starting in 2018, coming off the ACL injury. And obviously, I'm talking to you. I'm a diehard Jets fan, so I am willing to basically give up whatever it would take to get him. Now, I don't know if I'd give up four first-round picks and Quinton Williams, like might, might like, uh, you know, a for, I, you know, a former GM, Mike Tanibum, said on my radio So I don't know if I go that far, but I also don't think it would take that much. To get him, I think the Jets are dealing from a position of strength, What people don't seem to realize when they talk about trade scenarios for Watson is not all first round picks are created equal. That second overall pick that the Jets have is more valuable than any pick. The bears could offer the Niners could offer any of these teams that want Deshaun Sean Watson, even the dolphins third pick is not nearly as valuable as the second pick. The Jets have plus that dolphins third pick is the Texans pick. They really want to trade for a pick that they, they already owned in the Tunsil trade. I think the optic wise, That'd be terrible. So I just want to throw that out there. But from a Jets standpoint, it might only take two or three first round picks because you're giving Houston a franchise quarterback. Yeah, they can make a deal with Carolina for the eighth pick and then their picks following the next couple of years. Those picks are going to be in the mid to late 20s with the Sean Watson. So if you're the Jets... Offer the second overall pick, say, do you want the 23rd pick or do you want our one next year? Offer a two. Maybe you offer a couple other mid-round picks. Like, I don't think this package that people are saying the Jets are going to have to give up, like, all these picks, a full draft of picks, I don't think that's the case. You're, it, the Texans would need a quarterback. They need to sell their fans on hope. They need to have a franchise quarterback in place to start their rebuild. They're not just going to tank the season and say, ah, oh, we're just going to pick first next year. Like, they're not going to do that. Like, that's just not how they operate down here. So I think the Jets are in a great position as long as Watson is willing to waive the no trade. And everything I've heard is he would be, right? I, I've spoken to some people that know Watson and know the Texans that think he would love playing in New York. So that, that's all true, what's out there. As long as that remains the case, I think the Jets have a great chance of getting him. I'm not fully convinced Houston's going to definitely trade him, but I think the deadline's the draft. And if they move him draft night, I think the Jets are absolutely in play to get this guy. And that is, you know, the, the dream scenario, the number one objective of what Joe Douglas has to do to once and for all solve the quarterback position for the next, let's hope, decade plus.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think you had a segment on your show today, um, or it might have been yesterday, just about like, who could be the Bucks of 2021, and, and the Jets aren't in that position. But if you want to be a similar type situation, you need somebody at the quarterback position that's going to draw people, LeBron James, Tom Brady-esque. And I think Watson's that type of guy, just the influence he has around the league, the way people respect him. And it's nothing against Sam or any of these rookies. But if you look at it, you want an Allen Robinson. You want a Juju. Juju more so, I guess, with Sam. He's a bad example. But generally speaking, a lot of these free agent guys, they're going to come, going to come on and play in New York with Deshaun Watson. Robert Sala, new head coach. You know, I think that's the type of scenario which you create this buzz around the organization that feels very much 2008, 2009, where, yes, yeah, Sanchez didn't end up being Deshaun Watson, but he was a hot, flashy quarterback talent mixed with great offensive linemen coming in, skill guys, Revis, Cromart. I mean, like, you want to recreate that. That's where the Jets have always been successful. The 98 team with Parcells, you look at the early 2000s, it was always bringing in these star veterans around a young core. Deshaun's 25 on a reasonable cat number. I just think I agree with you as well. I think I did a segment this on this last week. From everything I know, like, they don't ha- – the, the Texans have no leverage. Like, everyone keeps telling me they have leverage. He has no-trade clause. So, they can't just go to any organization and say, well, take six first-round picks because Deshaun can say, I don't want to do that. And if he's even open in New York, you have to – do everything you can to be able to get this guy
1: and his people are smart and he's smart as well he's not going to go somewhere if he sees the the price to get him is that many picks he's like well why am i signing up to go play for a team that's not going to be able to put pieces around me that's why if you really were smart and i'm of course i'm biased because i am a jets fan he would say i'll only go to the jets or the dolphins and basically make those teams bid against each other but but strategically where. The Jets would only have to give up the second overall pick and maybe a couple extra ones here or there. They're not going to give up four first round picks. They're not going to give up, you know, their five ones over the next three years to get this done. They don't have to, the Jets are offering the second overall pick. You're giving the Texans a chance at either fields or Wilson or Lance, or if the Texans really want to do a full rebuild, take the second pick, trade down, get even more picks, tank the season. And then at least you could sell your fan base on, you know, being the Philadelphia Sixers or the NFL over the next couple of years, right? So that's a, a possible scenario. So I, I think the Jets are in play. And if they can work out a deal where it's the second overall pick, one of the Seattle picks, so the Seattle pick this year, well, then maybe they flip Sam for a late one. They still would have a first round pick this year. Trade a one next year, trade both your twos this year and next year. Like it's not going to take four ones in Quinn Williams. I think this notion that it's going to take all that to get them is not playing, is not taking into account the point that you and I both raised that Deshaun is a full no trade and he's not going to go somewhere if he doesn't think they have a chance to win. Like the reason why Richard Sherman's encouraging Deshaun to go to the Jets is because he believes in the head coach and he understands that it's not going to take four ones to get him. when you're already talking about dealing the second overall pick that's infinitely more valuable than any pick in the team. Some of these teams that want Watson would be able to offer.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I did a, I did something on like the point scale and I'm I mean, not everyone's familiar with it, but basically how much a draft, a draft pick is worth in terms of the max value being 3,000 points the Jets have a both the second most valuable amount of picks but also number two overall the difference in number two and three on some people's boards the way people could feel about Wilson or Fields could be huge so why Houston would want to trade with three when they now are getting the third best quarterback in the draft or a Carolina at eight or any of these teams it just doesn't like I don't think people realize that if you're going to do this trade, the Texans need to get max value out of that second pick. Everything else is irrelevant because if you don't hit on that pick anyways, they're screwed. And I I think the idea for me, if I'm Houston, I'm doing what I still in the back of, you know, in my heart want the Jets to do is trade back and build around Sam, obviously, if they don't get Watson. But if I'm Houston, I'm trading with getting the Jets pick and then I'm trading back. And all of a sudden now I can fully rebuild. I can tear it down, build it, you know, the Casario Patriot way, even though hopefully jack easterby doesn't get in the way but i just I, there's so many options to play and the jets are very much a part of this conversation whether people oh yeah or
1: not. <laughs> anyone trying to downplay the jets and their chance of getting him, i think it's just you know just just not looking at it from a broader perspective like yeah the jets are not a good football team don't get me wrong But talent-wise, they're definitely better than the two wins we saw in the regular season. Like, there's some pieces here. If Deshaun comes to the Jets, he's got a franchise-left tackle. Deshaun comes to the Jets, all of a sudden, with all this cap space, I bet you Allen Robinson's coming along or whatever the Jets end up doing in free agency. You know they're going to have some playmakers to go with Jamison Crowder and Denzel Mims, who I think every Jet fan is very high on right? So I think there there's an avenue for the Jets to go from a team that was awful this past year to a team in the AFC with an extra wild card available that has a chance to go to the playoffs with Deshaun Watson. So I think Deshaun from a, a just a big picture standpoint likes the idea of being the face of a franchise in New York. You do whatever it takes to get that guy. The fact that he wanted the Texans to interview Salah, and they were the only NFL team out of the seven that had openings that didn't talk to Robert Salah. I mean, that that's eye-opening, right? I mean, the Jets need to do everything in their power to convince Deshaun to waive the no trade. And if the Jets are making the best offer, I think the Texans would trade him to New York. So that has to be the number one goal of this offseason. And I think the deadline's for the draft. Like, I don't think there's going to be a solution to this until maybe at the earliest, the start of free agency. But I think even then, the Texans are going to try and play hardball for as long as they can. And this could go right till draft night.
0: Yeah, if you're a Jets fan, you have to hope there's a disconnect between, which there already seems to be, um, with Watson, Easterby, and Casario. Because if Cal McNair and Easterby get involved, I think Watson gets moved sooner rather than later. I think Casario is going to do everything he and David Cully can to be able to hang on to Deshaun. Rightfully so, I would be doing the same thing. But like you mentioned, I just think there's a lot of possibility there. The Jets are going to have one of the easiest schedules in the NFL next year. Eight to ten games I looked at today are going to be against teams we have no idea who's going to be a quarterback for the, you know, eight to 10 of their opponents next year, not to mention a potential 17th game against Eagles who are an absolute disaster. And if it weren't for the Texans, everyone would be talking about how much of an absolute the Eagles situation is. So um, in terms you know, of yeah. go from worst to
1: first all the time too. You know, even even when the Jets were one and fifteen with tight the next year they were nine and seven, and that they didn't blow the game in Detroit in Week Seventeen that year, they would have made the playoffs. Year one with Parcells, a year later they're in the AFC Championship game with a twelve and four season. Like this, this idea that the Jets are going to be bad for the next three years rebuilding. Like you watch football, it doesn't take that long if you hit on the quarterback and you hit on the coach. The Niners were garbage before Shanahan got there. All of a sudden, Shanahan and Lynch get there two years later. They're in the Super Bowl. Like it, it, it's it doesn't take that long to rebuild in the NFL. If you hit on the coach and you hit on the quarterback, the Dolphins maybe didn't even hit on the quarterback. A year ago, they were tanking for Tua. This year they were 10 and 6 and and barely missed the playoffs. Why? Well, they had a pretty good team and they were well coached. Let's hope Sal is as good of a coach as Flores and the Jets are gonna be well on their way.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. And people this like idea of um, you know, rebuilding in the NFL, it makes sense, yes, but like you're always retooling because it's a quick turnaround. This isn't baseball where it's a five to ten year plan, you build prospects throughout your organization. Guys only have a certain shelf life. So the Jets are going to need, they need to, like, this isn't going to be a long term thing. And if it is, it means Salah and Douglas both failed, which I don't personally see. And I know you don't see, and most Jets fans have confidence in. But, you know, and in terms of Douglas, obviously, we talked a little bit about this. You mentioned a few names. There's like meal with the cap going down this year. It didn't, it's not going to go down as far as, um, you know, down to 175, which was presumed it's going to be around the 180, 180, 181 million range. Who do you see as some guys that the Jets should be targeting from a veteran perspective that may get cut as salary cap casualties or veterans moving on? Um, do you see anybody the Jets should be targeting from that perspective?
1: it's tough because I haven't really done the full you know you know dive in research on some cap casualties that could be coming as far as guys that are out there I mean I know Patrick Peterson looks like he's going to be available I think he makes some sense because the Jets could certainly use some help in that secondary um, you know as far as free agings go I mean it's obvious what they need on the offensive side of the football right they need to get better skilled position players tight end wide receiver I mean it's obvious the Jets need playmakers for whoever's throwing them the ball um improving the offensive line would be great you know signing you know tooney away from new england would be phenomenal you know getting the the packer center i was reading something about that earlier um it could be you know an intriguing possibility they have all this money to spend they have to be aggressive like if that means signing matthew judon as well go for it like just just get playmakers on both sides of the ball they they need everything they like do have some pieces but there's really not a position of strength. Like even linebacker, which it seems like they have some pieces there. Like CJ Mosley hasn't played football in really two years. Like what's he going to be coming back? So they don't really have one position group where you feel very good about on either side of the ball. So they just need to be aggressive and just try and improve the roster and then use the draft to hit on some of these picks in the mid rounds. And that's where you, you know, you build your football team anyway. So, you know, let's say I, I have faith in Joe Douglas. They have 19 picks over the next two drafts. You know, it's go time. And by the way, we didn't even mention this. If they turn some of the Jamal Adams picks into Deshaun Watson, the statement I've been saying on my show is I will personally build a statue of Joe Douglas. I just want that out there, you know, on the record for all the Jet fans. I will personally build the Joe Douglas statue if some of the Jamal Adams Seattle picks are in any trade for Deshaun Watson. No,
0: I I saw, I was, I was laughing this morning because Russell Wilson's talking about, you know, oh, I want more, better protection. I don't like getting hit this much. You know, it's up to Seattle. I think a lot of the quarterbacks right now are kind of trying to latch on to what's going on with Deshaun and, power play their way into decision-making very similar in, t- in terms of like an NBA perspective and getting a spot at the table. I was just laughing that, oh, the Seahawks would be great to be able to address the offensive line. Oh wait, they don't have their first round picks because they traded for an all pro safety who in his own rate, I don't want to them off for no reason, but you trade up those, you trade those picks, the defense gets worse and now they have no one to protect Russell Wilson. So that's their own fault. Yeah, but, don't you know, worry though. Yeah, they'll be. They're <laughs> gonna pay him
1: eighteen million dollars a year, and uh, it's all gonna be better, right? Oh, I, yeah. Jamal hasn't even been paid no, attention no yet. I can't wait for that.
0: I, I love the. I'm gonna play no excuses, and then the next day after he plays horrible, and Cooper Cup's Mossingham and the whole nine yards on a bad knee, by the way, Cooper Cup. So I mean, Jamal wasn't the only one injured. And then oh, it's the excuse. I played hard, but I'm injured. So. No, there, I think there's a lot of possibility <laughs> for the Jets in, in terms of free agency, and it's you have to be aggressive, like you said, because, yeah, did did not work in, in 2018, you know, with Mosley and Bell. The contract with Bell, whatever, we can get it, you know, you can rehash that, but the first half that Mosley game, if he doesn't get hurt, he looked like the best football player I've ever seen for that first half against the Bills. It was amazing. If Sam doesn't – I'll never forget that, hurt, that That was – I'm like, this guy, it's – he made – you know, he's doing everything, and he's running – Deep seam and- I thought the are gonna be good. I, that first half, it, it, I was like, it, it, they should have, they should have been good. If Sam doesn't get mono, and you're you have any other person, me or you, coaching, that team's a nine and seven team, and then they're in the playoffs, and we were not even at this point with Sam and in whole nine yards, but.
1: Luke nice. Falk, but, oh, the pain. Luke Falk, uh, Luke Falk. I, yeah, it's brutal, like, man. Blowing the, blowing the six nothing lead was uh, just uh, that was terrible, man. It just like the second Mosley went down, you just knew they were gonna blow it, man. The defense just stopped playing, they just couldn't stop Allen, and Allen wasn't even good yet. It, it was just fourth, yeah, brutal. That game was so funny. the
0: worst part of that game, too, is like I went to school in Cortland, you went to Ithaca. Bills fans drive me nuts. And I was sitting and obviously, you know, they travel well. And it's like the whole first half, the stadium was as loud as I've heard MetLife in a long time, just because there's so much excitement with New Jersey's, which I don't like, but whatever, we, you know. And then all of a sudden it just turned around and like, I'm like, this is a disaster. I knew the second that after that game and then Sam comes out, he's sick. I was like, this season's already over. This is all horrible.
1: Yeah, and that was One of the lowest moments I felt, and then that Tuesday finding out Sam Henmano and he's missing the next three games, and you're like, "Thank God they have a week four bye." But at that point, you knew it was over. I mean, they had that one Cowboy win, and we're thinking, "All right, here we go. Maybe they could put a season together here." And then it still fell apart. They finished seven and nine, and I'm I'm the biggest idiot thinking that you know that would have any sort of carryover into this past year, and they go two and fourteen. Yeah, I bought it. I
0: bought into the the six and two. uh, Six and two finish, even though one of the losses. Like I always go back to this, like that team almost finished 500 if they don't lose to the that Bengals team, which was obviously the worst team in football. And then they also lost to the Dolphins. Yes. And it was like, I should have paid attention more to that than the the odd Cowboys Steelers wins that felt, right. you know, it's good to beat the annoying fan base, the Raider game, the Giants. Those are always fun. But at the end of the day, it's you can, it's my emotions getting the best of me.
1: Yeah, you just we're hoping to see something, right? It, because what Sam had such a great finish to his rookie year, so going into that season, it's like let's let's see him take that big leap. And well, we had the worst possible coach ever to try and get that to happen, and here we are now after our third season, two and fourteen, and. Probably looking for a new quarterback, whether it's draft or you know this dream of a Deshaun Watson trade. I guess we got to thank Gase if they end up with Watson, though. If, so they, end with, if they end up
0: with Watson and and uh, and Sam, when we play Sam in an AFC title game when he's in Indy next year and whatever, that'd be that'd be <laughs> that'd be my dream come true. But to kind of wrap, uh, you know, wrap it up here. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, we're rolling out this t- last twenty five years of Jets football, basically my lifetime, your lifetime as well. 90 we're going So through 2020 first position we're rolling out as a running back and obviously curtis martin will be the you know he's probably in my opinion maybe the best jet of all time he's you know finished fourth all time in rushing in the nfl and he's been passed by the corpse of frank gore but who would who are two or three of <laughs> your favorite running backs not named curtis martin in your
1: lifetime most fun to watch or you know best I'll give you a couple. So the, the first name I thought of when I really became like a huge Jet fan, Leon Washington was my guy. I mean, I loved him on special teams. I loved him in the screen game. I'll never forget he hit the kickoff return. I think it was in 06 against the Dolphins. Uh, that was part of that 10-6 and 6 Jets team with Mangini that made the playoffs. That was a great moment. Like, Leon Washington was an awesome player, man. If injuries didn't cut short his career, you know, he really could have been, you know, uh, just – Uh, it just finished with even better numbers than he did. So I I loved, you know, Leon Washington's game. He was always a fan favorite of mine. You know, I also had great respect and appreciation for Thomas Jones. Like the jets haven't made a lot of good trades over the years that ended up being a great trade. You know, Thomas Jones got there in 07. I think he had a thousand yards each season, he was the jet starting tailback. They led the league in rushing in 2009. He was a big part of that when, you know, a rookie named Mark Sanchez and a rookie coach named Rex Ryan with that great O-line with Hall of Famer Alan Fanagan now on it. I went all the way to the AFC championship game, of course. So I loved, uh, I loved Thomas Jones. And another guy that I think was just so underappreciated during his time here because the team never won anything with him in, You know, they should have went to the playoffs in 2015, but of course he was hurt in that week 17 game. That's Bilal Powell. I think Bilal Powell was a really good jet. You know, he was like the last guy that Mike Tannenbaum drafted in 2011 that actually was here, you know, through the beginning of the Joe Douglas tenure. So, you know, Bilal Powell kind of deserved better um, during his time with the Jets, he was a good player that never got to experience being in the playoffs. So, those would be three that kind of stand out to me as far as, you know, Jet running backs that I really appreciated outside of like, you know, the obvious everyone's a Curtis Martin fan if you're, you know, a fan of the Jets from 96 to now.
0: Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Those are all great ones. Thomas Jones is one of the weirdest stat, like, out, stat outliers. His first year at like a thousand yards and had one touchdown. And then the next two years had 13 and then a franchise record 14 touchdowns. The next two years, it was like, it'd be like the equivalent of, I was joking with my brothers about this, it'd be the equivalent of next year, Sam goes from nine touchdowns, to 45 touchdowns, and just like, where did those come from? All of a sudden, it burst out, but no, he was a great shot, Leon Washington's always a fan favorite, and then Curse Ivory and Blau Powell, that tandem was really good, like, I don't think people realize, I think we mistakenly didn't realize how good that Jets offense was, you know, obviously the ending was awful to watch, and Angle. I actually like that that right after that game, I was at a Rangers game and like sat in the same section with Fitzpatrick and Willie Colon and Mangold and all those guys. And I was like, I don't know, I, maybe it was a couple beers. I was like, Fitzpatrick, what are you doing? And he was like, uh, it was just, it was a great, uh, it was a great time. To, it was unfortunate that uh, it, nah. you know, he was, it, that was a fun team to watch.
1: They were good, man. They, they had that great winning streak. I mean, just to beat the Patriots the way they did in overtime with the season on the line and then not be able to follow it up against Rex and the Bills, oh, that – I mean, that's the last big game this franchise has played, if you think about it. Like, it's been all downhill since, so it, it's just painful. But, you know, Bilal Pal was a great jet, you know, and, and you know what? I think Ladanian Tomlinson deserves some love as well. You know, that, that signing by Tannenbaum, Um, was a shrewd signing. Like he was not obviously the same player, but he came to the jets provided veteran leadership. They went back to the championship game with him. He scored a touchdown uh, in that game against the Patriots. And, you know, LT was, was really good during his two seasons with the jets, obviously 2010, he was a big part of that offense. I'll never forget. He had that big game against the bills. I think it was in like week three of the 2010 season week four around that range. And, you know, he's juking guys. He looked like the old LT. So I know everyone remembers him as a charger and rightfully so, but, Ladainian Tomlinson was not a bad Jet. I actually have his jersey somewhere in my uh, my closet on Long Island. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's funny that like, that was like a tannenbaum.
0: Like some of the best stuff he did as a GM, like was those veteran signs. That's why for me, I think it's so important this offseason to get some of those guys. Uh, even if it's a Richard Sherman or Patrick Pearson, yeah, they might be on the downside, but to get Thomas three years of Thomas Jones and two years of LT at reasonable cost with a rookie like Sean Green, you had you know you had like some of these guys at the end of Leon Washington. And it was like that's how you build a team it's and it, it's just interesting to watch how there was these really high highs and then we you know now we've had to talk about obviously some of the lowest of lows is you know at least in, in my in your lifetime but you know it's uh it'll be interesting to see what happens both the quarterback some of the guys they are able to sign and then you know kind of what we're going into once the schedule release and all these things come out so uh, absolutely I'll, yeah definitely. i mean
1: i'm optimistic
0: you, me too you, you jumped to awesome. it at
1: the top is our super bowl
0: this is our super bowl it's time to be this optimistic. is it
1: this is what we're doing. <laughs>
0: But, uh, you know, thank you so much for uh, joining the show. You can, again, follow Jake at Jake Asman uh, on Twitter and then catch him 9 11 a.m. Eastern on Sports Map Radio uh, weekdays. And, uh, you know, make sure to give him a follow and check out some of his content. He's had some really big guests like Mike Tannenbaum, Denzel Mims, amongst others uh, recently. So as a Jets fan or a national host, make sure to uh, check him out.
1: Thanks so much, Will.